Let me just start by looking over in Galatians 5 again and just read these out. It says, but in verse 22, it says, um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and um, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, which I'll do next week, and temperance, which I'm going to finish this evening. Amen. Uh, temperance against such there is no law. Um, there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, yeah, the, the law can tell us the right thing to do, but it can't produce it. But the fruit of the Spirit can. That's the difference. It's a living experience from the inward working of the Holy Spirit in our spirit, outworked through our lives. And it says, um, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, we have started looking at temperance. And uh, I said a few weeks ago, temperance is a work of the Holy Ghost. We don't have the power in ourselves to put down our flesh. And we all have a flesh. Every single one of us. And there is no good flesh. All flesh stinks. All flesh will get you in trouble if you live in it. But the fruit of the Spirit is the only way for us to get a hold of the flesh. That's why the Bible says when you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's the only way. And we all have a flesh. And sometimes, you know, it pops up its ugly head at times. But um, the answer is the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say try to put down your flesh and discipline and you're in the Spirit. No, that's, that's willpower. That's the flesh trying to do it. No, it says walk in the Spirit. That's the starting place. So you have to, first of all, come underneath the influence of the Holy Ghost. So then you have the strength to put down the flesh. Amen. And temperance is one of those things that we'll look at. Because temperance, it does talk about self-control, as we say, because we're involved in it. But before it ever gets to us, as in our choice, we need to be under the influence of the Holy Ghost. It's when you're under the influence of the Holy Ghost, then it energizes you, enables you to make the choice. Um, Paul couldn't make the choice in his flesh, as we looked at in Romans chapter 7. But when he came under the Spirit, he was able to say, I um, bring my body into subjection. And the only way you can do that is by living underneath the influence of the Holy Ghost. That's why in Romans chapter 8, it says here in verse 13, which is a great scripture to, look, uh, to take note of. Romans 8 and verse 13, it says, For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. In other words, the flesh, it's destructive. There's no life that will be produced through the flesh. But it says, But if you look at this through the Spirit... To mortify the deeds of the body. You shall live. The only way you can put to death the deeds of the body. Now we're not killing ourselves. Okay. You need a body. Because you need a body to live. Okay. You need a body. It's like your earthly passport. It's your earth suit that allows you to stay here and be effective. If your spirit leaves your body, that's you dead. Okay. Physically dead. You need a body. But as long as you're in that body... You're going to be dealing with the flesh, okay? That's why you, you can't get the flesh cast out of you. You want the flesh cast out of you, and you just take out a double bar shotgun, and that's the only way to get the flesh cast out of you. That's it. The only way to deal with the flesh is to come under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And that's why it's saying it's through the deeds of the, the, or through the Spirit you mortify the deeds of the body. That's why it goes on to say if you be led by the Spirit, and it talks about how that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. This is a better way of living than rules. Rules just tell you what to do and what not to do, but the Holy Spirit becomes your guide on the inside. And you need it with temperance, because temperance, um, as I started saying last week, temperance gives you the ability to rule your life. That's what it is. It, it, it comes from that word that means rule and power, where you have the strength to rule. And so where there is self-control, but it's, it's by the Spirit of God. Before it gets to self-control, you're under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Um, and you need it because the, uh, uh, and, and to come under and be led by the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost will give you the strength to say no to sin but also to have balance in things that are good, okay? And that's why it's better to listen to the Holy Ghost than just to come under rules, because sometimes people come under rules and they put the Holy Ghost to the side. Instead of, if you learn to yield to the inward witness of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will guide you. The Holy Ghost will tell you, even when in doing good things, you know, it's okay, but now it's time to stop, you understand? Or now it's time to leave, or any of those kind of things. Sometimes when people preach... 
on rules what they preach is their convictions. You understand? And they bring people into bondage. Or else what they do is, even if you talk on marriage and different things, they teach you their marriage. But it's better to listen to the Holy Ghost in your marriage. All the scriptures for marriage are for all of us. But God knows the two people in the marriage better than anyone else. And no two marriages are the same. And that's why you need to listen to the Holy Ghost. Thank God we have the Holy Ghost living in us. And if you learn to listen to the Holy Ghost, He'll help you in everything that you do. And it's better than rules. Now, we can know from the Word of God what is right and wrong and all of those kind of things, but you still need the Holy Ghost to help you say no. And that's why temperance is, is, is not a work of the flesh. It's a work of the Spirit of God, which is fruit being bore through our lives. And that's why as you walk with God, it's progressive many times with you in areas like sins always know, but you need to help. And then in other areas, you need balance. And God knows how to bring balance to our lives. Balance is a wonderful word. We're never to be balanced in sin, okay? Sin is no. You have to be balanced in everything else to be able to have a balanced life. To be able to have moderation in everything, in everything else in life. Amen. The only way to do it is by the Holy Ghost. Um, let me say this as well. Last week... I just want to reiterate this again. I talked about being sober-minded. And last week I talked about, you know, that um, sometimes Christians are prayer line junkies. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying that prayer lines are wrong. Prayer lines are good. Let me tell you, many people get ministered in a prayer line. Many times, um, like, there, um, I was ministering there about two months ago when I was ministering. Myself and Donna were praying over this young girl. And as soon as I put my hands on this young girl to pray, I mean, the Holy Ghost came all over myself and Donna. I mean, we ended up prophesying into this young girl's life. I mean, the Holy Ghost just fell just like that, just like rain. It was awesome. But you know what? That was in a prayer line. Um, nothing wrong with prayer lines. Prayer lines are good. People get ministered to in prayer lines all the time. What I'm talking about is a movie. I, I listened to it last week and I thought I need to say that again. Um, because what I'm talking about is people that are prayer line dependent. Where they don't renew their mind. Where they don't sit underneath the word. Do you understand? They just, I don't need to renew my mind. I just need to stand in a prayer line. No, as you think you become. And... Last in freedom in our lives, especially in habits and addictions, it has to do with renewing your mind. Because if you don't change the way you think, even if you're set free at the moment, your thinking will bring you back to the same place again. Understand? So I just want to reiterate that again, because the Bible does say if you're sick, you know what? Call for the elders of the church. You know what I mean? Anoint oil. You know, the prayer of faith will save the sick. But you know what, again, the prayer of faith, it's important for us all to be in faith, even if we're in a prayer line. Because sometimes people are just thinking, oh, just let them lay hands on me, I just stand there, do nothing. No, be in faith. Amen. Praise God, and just throw it out again, in passing. Now, in Hebrews 12 and verse 1, it says here, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, and it makes this statement, let us lay aside Look at that, every weight and every what? sin that does so easily beset us. It talks here about sins and weights, okay? And temperance deals with both. When it's talking about sin, sin is no's, okay? It's just no-no. When it comes to sin, you don't, it, temperance with sin is a no, it's not balanced. It's not like, you know, a wee bit of adultery is okay. You understand? <laughs> a wee bit of gossip is okay. The Bible tells us that, you know, that none of it is okay. Okay? When it comes to any type of sexual sins or anything, it's all no in the Bible. Okay? So, when it comes to sins, gossip, any of those things, all of them kind of things, we could look at sins all night. The point is, sin is always no. Okay? So sins hold you back in doing what God's called you to do and running your race, and that's what it's talking about here. But the way to get free is to look on to Jesus. Amen. And then weights. Weights can be things like, several things like weights can be, can be religion. Religion can be weight. But also weights can be good things as well, like as in whenever, um, you know, too much of something that is good. And so we need temperance for, for um, things that are good, 
but also the ability to be able to say no to things that the Bible says that we're to say no to. But again, we need the Holy Ghost and the Word for that. And I said simply, how do you come underneath the influence of the Holy Ghost and apply the fruit of the Spirit to your life? The simple way is the Holy Ghost is Spirit, the Word is Spirit, and you need both of them. And when you have that Word released in you by the Holy Ghost, there's an energy that comes forth from your spirit, amen, that enables you to walk in these things. And that's, being, that's coming underneath the influence of the Holy Ghost, amen. Um, so, sins are no-no, okay? Now, the way you deal with sin, just simply, without getting into everything tonight, and for us in the New Covenant, how we deal with sin is through grace and righteousness. That's how we deal with sin in the New Covenant. Um, um, Titus 2 and verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. Do you know what grace will teach you? Amen? Teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Amen? That we might live... Uh, um, live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. You know what? Grace is a teacher. And you know when you're underneath grace, when it starts setting you free from the things that, that once held you. So grace is important. And then righteousness. You know, the Bible tells us to, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says to awake to righteousness and what? Sin not. Many times people try to... Uh, to um, to beat sin out of people. They try to preach hard to get sin out of people. But the only way to get sin out of people is to come underneath grace and to get a revelation of righteousness because righteousness is your new identity in Christ Jesus. Amen? You know, I always give the story of like um, my cousin, um, we went to her wedding and she was wearing this lovely white dress and you know what? She wouldn't let those kids that were running around come with their mucky hands after eating the chocolate and over at the chocolate fountain and all that at the weddings that they do now. She, she protected herself. Why? Because she was the bride. She's wearing a white dress and she is protecting herself. She knows who she is. Well, it's the same with us. When you know who you are in Christ Jesus, righteousness gives you a new identity to where you start to change. You start living out of your new identity. That I'm, I'm, the, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of God. Amen. And you start, you start to live different because of identity. See, if you, if you think that you're a sinner, you take on a sin complex. And all you think about is sin. But if you take on a righteousness con uh, consciousness, you, um, you realize that you're free from sin. You're free from it in your spirit. You're free from it in Christ, which enables you then to live free from it in life. To where the point is, you get, you get to the place where you say, why am I living like that? Or why am I doing that? Why, why am I putting that into my body when I don't need to? Because I'm a child of God. You're getting set free by identity, not because somebody condemned you. Condemnation doesn't set people free. But identity does. That's why the Bible says through these three things, it's through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that you reign in life. Amen. That's the only way you reign is through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Amen. People think if you teach on grace, you're going to give people a license of sin. Paul said, Paul said, do you think I teach on grace basically so that people can go out and sin? God forbid. Amen. That's not what grace is for. Grace sets us free. And there's a free and power in grace. So, um, in Colossians as well, and I'll just call this out here, Just um, I'm not going to read this, but in Colossians 5 and through 10, it lets us know there all of the things, like, you know, not all of them, but a list of things, a good list of things that deal with sins and different things or sexual sins, fornication and cleanness, inordinate affection, which is um, like rape, incest, abuse, evil concupiscence which is evil lust for anything long and for what is forbidden covetousness um, 
where no matter how much people have, they just want more. They're never satisfied. They're never content. Um, idolatry, which is idol worship and anger, that inner wrath, and then outbursts of wrath. And, you know, all of these things, slander, filthy communication, um, lying, all of these things, the Bible tells us to put them off. It doesn't tell us to take a wee bit of it. It tells us to put them off and put on the new man. And so I'm just saying temperance deals with sin. Amen. Now, I'm going to look at something else this evening and I want to look at um, the other side of it because, yes, we understand sins are no, okay? But what about good things? I have a list here I want to try and get through this evening, but what about good things? Because temperance gives you balance in good things. And there's a lot of things that are good. They are not sin. You know, it's like... Sin is like bleach. You know, you don't, you wouldn't say yeah, it's okay to take a wee bit of bleach in your maywadi. You know what I mean? No, it's no good. Rat poison, right? Just a wee bit of rat poison. No, that's like sin. But temperance in good things means that it is good, but you just need balance in it. Okay? And a balanced life is a good thing. And a lot of people don't strike the balance. There's a lot of Christians that are weird. There's a lot of Christians that don't, that they just they think that all you do is sit on your knees all day and they'll condemn everybody around them. But what about other things in life? There's a lot of other things in life that you can do. It doesn't mean to say they're wrong. Um, but it's just balance. Proverbs 11 and verse um, 1 and Proverbs 16 and verse 11, it talks there about a, a false balance is an abomination unto the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. A just weight and balance are of the Lord. Amen? So balance is good. I love that word balance. Um, and I just think it's important as Christians. So, so let's just look at a couple of these things here. I'm going to get the first one out of the road quick, okay? That sex. We'll get that, <laughs> we'll get that over quick, amen. <laughs> but sex. Sex is good. Nobody will say amen. <laughs> sex is good. And I'm not talking about a sack of spuds like. I'm talking about sex. S-E-X, okay. <laughs> but sex is good. There's nothing wrong with sex. But sexual, but there's sexual sins. So the Bible teaches anything, any sexual activity outside of a husband and wife in marriage, anything outside of that, the Bible says is sin, okay? But in marriage, it's a blessing. And sex is is a blessing. Um, and it's a good thing, but like anything that's good, you know what, you have to find the balance and every marriage is different. And I'm going to just look at the ground while I talk. <laughs> but, um, you know, every marriage is different. Um, in my experience of talking to people and dealing with people, men have a, uh, in general have a greater sex drive than, than a woman. I often liken it to eating a meal. You know, usually a man eats a bigger portion than, in general than, than a, a woman when it comes to food. And, you know, within marriage, you know what, the man's usually looking more than the woman, but there has to be a balance there. That's why communication, talking to each other, all of those things is, is important. But you know what, I've seen, I've, uh, uh, from talking to people over the years and listening to a lot of things over the years, sex has, has um, been a real hindrance or a blessing in marriages. Um, it's designed to be a blessing, but you know what, there's some people are so holy that they don't believe in sex, you know what I mean, and they ruin their marriage. There are some people who just believe it's access for children, yet the Bible talks about pleasure. Abraham and, and Sarah, Sarah said, shall I have pleasure with my Lord in old age? Um, it's for pleasure as well. But again, in marriage, it is, it is a blessing. And in marriage, it is good. But then you have to find the balance, okay? Um, over in 1 um, Corinthians chapter 7, and at the, in verses one, 1 and 2, it talks here about, um, it said, well, let me just read here. It says, now concerning things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, see, fornication is sin. Let every man have his own wife, and let every wife have her own husband. It's saying it's not good for a man to get intimate with a woman outside of, him, out of, outside of marriage. 
That's why marriage, you know, is such a blessing. But you know what? I'd always advise people don't marry on the basis of sex because that's not the foundation for a good marriage. Sometimes people think, oh, I'll get married so we can have sex. That's, that's not the, the, the purpose for getting married. Love each other first. Get to know each other. You know what? Fall in love with in here first and then... The rest takes care of itself. But then it goes on here to say, and let me just read this out in the, um, in the, in the Passion Translation. Good translation to be reading that out in. <laughs> in the Passion Translation, let's talk about sex. Um, but here it says, um, and this is three to five, it says, a husband has not, or a husband has the responsibility of meeting the sexual needs of his wife, and likewise a wife to her husband. Nevertheless, the husband nor the wife have exclusive rights to their own bodies, but those rights are to be surrendered to each other. Um, so don't continue to refuse your spouse. Your spouse's, those rights, those sexual rights, except perhaps for mutual agreement for a specific time so that you can be both devoted to prayer and then you should resume your physical pleasure so that the adversary cannot take advantage of you because of the desires of the body. And so in the King James, it talks about due benevolence, which is basically talking about, you know what, there's a, there's a, a, a duty in marriage, basically marital duty. Which what it talks about, not like, you know, that you're in bondage, but you know what, it's part of marriage. And benevolence talks about kindness and um, basically marital duty. And I, I just like to say this here as well, just, just throw this out here. Um, and just for anybody that's listening in or listens to the podcast as well in this, that you know what, sometimes people, they're just looking... Um, um, sex morning, noon and night or they say you owe me sex and they talk like that there no that's not a wife that's a prostitute okay a wife is a partner a wife is a lifelong companion or vice versa okay um, kindness doesn't start in the bedroom either sometimes people say oh you know what it'll be kindy in the bedroom no but kindness starts throughout the day kindness can be you know ban or something nice or you know what I mean or vice versa you know what we're there's love in the relationship and sometimes people just I, I want to be nice to you because I want something but then I'm not nice to you any other time and marriage is a relationship it's it's a it's a companionship it's walking together but then in marriage you know what you know people have needs and Praise God, God has made a place for it. And the marriage bed is undefiled, the Bible says. And you know what, it, it, it is a blessing. But God give it to be a blessing. But the point being is this, sex is good. But um, in marriage, it's good. But you know what, it doesn't mean to say that's all you do. That, that can destroy a, ma a marriage as well. So too much or too little, you know, you find the balance. Amen. And that is between a husband and a wife. To find that. I know a verse here just in Proverbs it says, Proverbs 5 and verse 19, it says here, Let her be as a loving hind and a pleasant roe, let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. And I put that out there just to show that sex is a blessing, it's a pleasurable, pleasurable thing, and God is not against it. And the problem is, many times in churches, people don't talk on it, and then people think sex is dirty. But sex is a blessing. So, and when it says to be ravished, that word ravished is talking about being enraptured, intoxicated. And that is, that's a blessing from God. But then it shows the opposite side and it says, Why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman, someone that is not your wife, and embrace the bosom of a stranger? That's sexual sins. So in that verse you see sexual sins and you see sexual blessing. And sex is good. I'm going to say amen to that. Amen. <laughs> sex is good. But it's, it's in a boundary. Outside of marriage, it's sin. Inside of marriage, it's a blessing. But inside of marriage, there's balance to it. Amen. So you can see that these are good things. Next one is food. Okay. These are practical tonight. Food. Many know food's a blessing. You can't live without it. So it's a good thing. You know what, you, you need temperance with food because food is a necessity. You need it. But as you know, there's two extremes. You can have too little or you can have too much. And I don't preach diet. I preach balance. 
um, and teach people that there's a balance when it comes to, I need to find more of it myself, but praise God, I'm going to have to listen to the Holy Ghost more in that department. <laughs> but anyway, um, but there's a balance to food. Sometimes people preach because they're on a diet, they think everybody should be on it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So they're preaching diet. Or else other people want to bring people back underneath the Jewish laws. And the Bible tells us in the New Covenant, we're not under the Jewish laws. The Bible tells us that we can pray over anything and eat it. So it's, it's about finding balance in our diet. Okay? Um, but too little can cause you to fall into anorexia. You know, this mentality today in the world of, you know, size zero and all of those kind of things. And years ago, it was the fatter you were, the more prosperous you are and all of them things. So you see all the old paintings and people are fat in it. And they're the beautiful people. Do you know why? Because they had money. Because they were fat. Um, but now it's like, you know, the, the skinnier you, you get. But here's the thing. Everybody has a body, uh, different body type. And so then people get into bondage and they're trying to be a size zero and they'll never be a size zero because it's not their body type. They just can't be it. And then the other side of that is gluttony. Gluttony is eating too much. It's whenever a person doesn't know when to stop. So there's a balance. But again, it's the Holy Ghost that helps us in these departments. Not, not condemnation. Amen. Sometimes people say, you're eating too much. But you know what I... I know um, by working on building sites and things over the years, when you're working all day in manual, you eat all around you. Well, you need fuel in you because you're working like the cloppers. You feel the energy leaving you. If somebody's training, you know, young teenagers, Tyler eats all around him. I mean, he's, he's lean, but boy, can not fella eat. But you know what? But he's training nearly every day, so he is. He's always training, always doing stuff, but he, and he's a teenage. So you can't put people into condemnation over food. But that's why you ask the Holy Ghost to teach you in all of these things. Look at um, um, Proverbs 25 and verse uh, um, 27. It says, it is not good to eat, look at that, much honey. Okay? It doesn't say honey's bad. It doesn't say, you know, you know, taking a dessert or something's bad. Or sitting with a wee bar of chocolate is bad. We are coffee or something like that. It's not saying that it's bad. But it's saying much and it talks about having rule over your own spirit. Then in um, Proverbs 25 and verse 16, it says, Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for you. In other words, like if, if, if somebody's this size and somebody else is this size, they might need a, a different portion of food. You understand? If somebody's built like that, you see these bodybuilders, I mean, they eat from the get up in the morning to the go to bed at night, but there's no fat on them. It's all muscle. So you eat what is sufficient for you, okay? Um, and it says, least thou be filled or with and what? And vomited. Do you know, when you eat to the point where you feel sick, you know, that's uh, where you know you've had too much, okay? <laughs> or you've, you've just, as we would say in Ireland, you've just been a pig. You know what I mean? You've just been a pig at the table. And I know whenever I was a young lad in my early 20s, boy, I could eat, I can tell you. I could eat yours and everybody else's. And you know what? And then half an hour later, you can't move in the city, and that's just eating too much. That's not good. When you feel like being sick, you want it out of you. You know what? That is not a good thing. But again, you need balance. Too little or too much. Amen. So there's a, there's a, there's a balance in the middle there. Another thing I want to hit on as well is that drink. I, I, let me just say straight up. Alcohol is not a sin in and of itself. Drink is a cultural thing. Depends what country you go to. Like... You will find it hard to convince a Jewish person that wine is evil. Because they have vineyards and everything that they have. It's a blessing. It was always a blessing for Israel to have vineyards. Wine is not, uh, is not evil. Alcohol in and of itself is not evil. Yet, you know what I heard growing up? You know what? Every bottle has a demon in it and all of this kind of stuff. No, it doesn't. But drink like anything 
needs balance. There are some people who don't need any. We live in a country that alcohol has ruined so many families. That's why people, you know, instead of, um, instead of having moderation, we live in a country that dealt with things through abstinence. Uh, just no, it's evil, it's wrong, it's whatever. And I have found over the years, and I have known over the years, even people that taught against drink were drinking in secret. I've known people that were teaching against drink and had a fridge full of wine. And I didn't mean to say they were, they were drinking in excess, but they were secret drinkers. And that's what's happened to many people over the years. They became secret drinkers because they didn't do things in balance. And then there's other people who don't like it. You know what I mean? There's other people that are, I'm not a drinker. You know, um, I have no problem with, with, uh, if I took a glass of wine here and there, but I don't have no schedule or, you know, you'll see wine in the house. Yes, you know, most times, uh, you know, wine will be there for cooking. You know what? I like steak. I like putting wine in the steaks and all of that kind of stuff. Burgers. I make my own burgers. I stick wine in them and all of that kind of stuff. Um, every chef uses wine. Wine in itself is not evil. And yet even I've, I've known people and I've done it myself over the years. I know it because I've lived this. I've taught, I taught hard against drink for years until I got a revelation of grace. And people say, oh yeah, you got a revelation of grace. And then you went and you got hammered and all that. No, I haven't. I, I, the last time I was drunk under the influence of anything like, like that was at 19 years of age, two weeks before I got saved. I've never been under the influence of, of, of alcohol since. Yet sometimes people will say, oh, you know what, you, yeah, that's why you teach grace or whatever. No, if you know me, that's not the way that I live. But I'm not going to bring people in bondage either over it. Um, there, as I said, there's people need to just never take a drink because one drink sends them on a bender. And I've seen that with people. They do better without it. And you have to, you have to let the Holy Ghost lead and guide you. Um, I've seen other people who started off taking a glass of wine and it led to whiskey and stuff like that. Just took a few years. They started off, that's ah, okay. You have to be honest. That's why you need the Holy Ghost in everything that you do in life. Amen. Um, and I've seen other people, saved and unsaved, who can take a glass of wine or whatever and not sit there. And I've never, I've, 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 I've people in my, in my circle that I know that take drink here and there. I've never seen them drunk ever. I have people in my, in my wider circle, family and different things that are, they'll take a, a glass of wine or whatever, have drink in their house. Never, ever have I ever seen them drunk. Never. In all of my years of knowing them, never drunk. So it's not the problem is not the drink. The problem is the person. The Bible says that John the Baptist, he came neither eating nor drinking. He had a strict, because he, he, was, he was brought up with this sect, and they had a strict way of life. And um, he never drank, and, ne and he had a strict diet. Not just a Jewish diet, I mean a strict diet. How he lived. The Bible says of Jesus that he came eating and drinking. Now Jesus kept the Jewish um, um, law because he was born under it and he fulfilled it. Okay, But he, he ate and, and the Bible says that Jesus ate and drank. But it's, uh, and the people called him a, glutton, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber and a friend of publicans. That was what the, the world called him, trying to put a label on him. But Jesus, the Bible lets us know that he... He wasn't like John. John had a strict, strict, strict life. Jesus had a temperate life. And, uh, you know, see, that's where I have the problem. I, I know the mentality of drink and I have seen what it's done. But I just can't teach something as a sin that the Bible says clearly isn't. But here's what is a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. Amen. The Bible lets us know that. Never to be drunk. But the Bible doesn't say that wine is wrong. Um, a lot of people preach hard on drink and they're fat. <laughs> okay? And yet in Proverbs, isn't it good not to be um, politically correct in church? Amen. Proverbs 23 and verse 20, it says, Be not among wine bibbers, or be not among red as eaters of flesh. 
It says here, for the drunkard and the glutton. A lot of people preach hard on the, on the drunkard, but they don't want to preach hard on the glutton. And I've heard people preach over the years and um, uh, really hard on, on, on drink. And they have a suit that had to get made because they were so big. You couldn't get it in the shop. It had to be specially made. And you don't get that size without being a glutton. And I'm not saying that to be critical of people, but what I am saying is it's amazing how people can, can preach hard on, on not being drunk, but they don't see that gluttony is also a sin. Look, I'm overweight, but I'm not justifying it, okay? I could lose a few pounds. Amen? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not making any excuses for that. But I'm not going to say, you know what, preach hard against, you know, and, and me standing up, Knowing that I, I, I need, you know, to lose a few pounds myself. Amen. It's access that is the problem. It's having too much. Um, here's a great scripture here that people will look at it. In Proverbs 23 and verse 29, it says, Who hath woes? Who has sorrows? Who has contentions? Who has bobblings? Who has wounds without a cause? Who has redness of eyes? And then people are preach really hard and drink with that. And it's not talking about that. It says, they that tarry long at the wine. You see, it's amazing when people drink that their personality is altered. People get into fights. <laughs> people think they're, you know, Tom Cruise. They, they all, all of a sudden they think they're gorgeous. You know what I mean? They think they're handsome. And then the more you drink, everybody starts looking good. And the, the wit goes out the window and people end up doing things with other people, going off with another woman or something or another man. All because of alcohol, being underneath an influence. And that's what it's talking about, who has all of these woes? Who has all of these sorrows? Staying long a drink is the problem, not drink itself. At the Lord's table, not, not the Lord's table, do you remember at the... Um, uh, well, at the wedding, Jesus turned the water into wine. That's a hard one for people. You know how I used to get out of that? Because I heard of one preacher saying that this is the way I used to deal with it. Unless Jesus turns it into wine, I'm not drinking it. Well, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just a phrase. It's a smart phrase. But the reality of it is, Jesus turned the water into wine. If it was a sin, he wouldn't have done it. The wine was, is not the problem. It's what people do with it. Is the problem. Like anything, that's why you need balance. Um, the Bible says um, of the, the love feast, you remember in the book of um, Corinthians, whenever they came together around the Lord's table, it says that there were some people, they were eating all of the choice stuff and leaving the poor people feeling, you know, really bad. And then there was people coming and getting drunk. Well, if, if wine was wrong, you wouldn't have been able to bring it. You understand? Yet I know we live in Ireland and, and I, don't, I don't do communion anytime I do communion. I don't do it with real wine. Not because it's wrong. It's because of the country we live in. Yeah. I go to churches and I know people in there that, have, that had really bad drinking histories. And they tell me themselves, that one drink is enough for my mind to be tortured all night. If I didn't know when I took a drink of it, that would be, it's not, the wine's not the problem. It's a cultural sin. It's because we live in this country that has a binge drinking mentality. That even if, if, if a Christian took a glass of wine, people automatically have a stereotype that they go, drinker. Why? Do you know why? Because we live in a country full of them. What's the stereotype of Ireland all around the world? Drinkers and fighters. and That's just a mentality. And there's a few other countries that are like that as well. Okay? Have that mindset. That's the problem. You go to other countries and they will condemn you for drinking coffee. But they drink beer. I know of ministers that have went to other countries and they, they set beer at the tables. But if you drink a coffee, you're a sinner in that country. You know what I mean? They'd look at you like you put coffee into your body while uh, down a pint and say Amen. See, I would freak us out because it's not our culture. You understand? You know, I would freak me out too because I'm not used to that. See, it's a cultural thing. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine. We're in his well. Access, that's a problem. Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. If wine was a sin, a little 
would be like taking bleach. You don't take a little sin. You understand? So even a little would be a sin and Paul would never have told Timothy to sin. The, 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 when it talks about alcohol, it is always personal choice. You have to weigh up. Is it going to benefit your life? Is it profitable to you? Is it going to be a stumbling block around people? You know what? All of these, you have to weigh up everything. As a dad, I think of things like I have children. I, I, I think of that. The influence that I have. Um, I, as a dad, I always want to be in a position. I don't need to be underneath the influence of something. If anything ever happened to my children, do you know what I mean? You know, if they were playing football or whatever. And, you know, they came into the house and, they, you know what, and they had a bad tackle or something. And uh, you know what, uh, and, or like the other, the other week when Tyler got hit by a school bag and he was knocked out. And, and we had to, you know, he had to be brought to hospital and all of those kind of things. I don't want to be able to say, oh, I can't go because I've been drinking. I'm under the influence of alcohol. No, I need to be in a position where I can take my... Do you understand? That's the way I think personally. It's access is the problem. Amen. So, is drink wrong? I, I can't teach it as wrong because I don't see it as wrong in the Word of God. And I'm only hitting a snippet here. And some people will fall out with me even for saying this. But you know what? All through the Old Testament, I can show you the priests had it. I can show you all the, the, a lot of the people that we look at as heroes in the Word of God. They drank wine. Right through. But um, it always said for leaders, like, uh, um, you know what? Not to be given to wine. Not to be given to much wine. It's, it's always balance, like anything. And you know what? Here's one that I've done a whole message and spent about, I spent I don't know how many months, several years ago, looking at, at every scripture and all of these things because I was dealing with it myself because of churches were dealing with all of these things. And I wanted to know my, my standing on it. But here's one of the things that I came with just in saying this here. If you look the wine for what Jesus is meant to give you, you're looking at the wrong thing. It is not your peace. It doesn't comfort you. It doesn't do any of those things. Amen. Just like chocolate or any of them things don't either. Amen. Jesus is our Savior. The Holy Ghost is our comforter. Amen. Here's another thing. There's a lot of people will condemn people for um, drinking wine, taking a glass of wine, and they'll down two liters of Coke while they're condemning them. The Coke, two liters of Coke is worse for you than a glass of wine. It is scientifically proven that wine is good for your body. Your blood... But what is it? Little. Not, you know, what on the Buckfast, you know what I mean? And, you know, like whenever we were younger, you know, what a ten of wine, you know what I mean? That's the way the thinking was. Everybody was drinking Lurg and Champagne or whatever, you know, what Buckfast. That's not what I'm talking about. But you know what it is? It's a mindset. And I know it because I had it as well. Another one. Money. Many know money's good. But you know what? Money has destroyed many people's lives. Money's good, but greed isn't. Money's good, but covetousness isn't. The Bible says that the prosperity of the fool will destroy him. So, uh, people can be destroyed by money. Money has changed people over the years. Money has a destructive element to it. But the problem is not money again. It's the love of money. It's when people will do anything for money. Here's a good verse here in Proverbs 30 and verse 8. It says here, remove far from me vanity and lies. Look at this. Give me neither poverty nor riches. It's not saying that riches is wrong. You just need to keep reading. It says, give me neither poverty nor riches. In other words, it's talking about two extremes. Give me um, with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee. And say, who is the Lord? Or least I be poor and steal and take the name of the Lord in vain. What it's basically saying is give me what I can handle. Money is good. Too little of it is not good. Okay? Let me put it this way. Too much with little wisdom is not good. Understand? Money's a good thing. But money's like a gun. You, will, you know, you... It can be a destructive thing as well. So it needs to be in the right hands. And that's why God teaches us that you can handle money. Is money good? Oh, money's a blessing. Man, you know poverty's a curse. Amen. Money's a blessing, but it needs wisdom. 
And money has altered people's personalities over the years when they'd do anything for it. I've known, I've known people over the years that were doing great in God until they got money. And then when they got money, it was like they, they lost the balance in their lives and it was all about the money. So it's, it's wisdom that's needed. Again, all of these things is an amazing intemperance. You need it in good areas. Money. Okay, sleep. Well, you know, sleep's a good thing. But the Bible tells us that you can lay in bed all day and be a sluggard. Okay? Or else the Bible tells us that you can be burning it at both ends of the, can uh, the, like the candle. It doesn't say that particularly that way. But it says over in Psalms 127 verse 2, it says, It is vain for thee to rise up early and to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow. You know what that, that is talking about? You know what? Worrying. But the Bible says God will give his beloved sleep. Do you know what? We all need sleep. Some people think they're spiritual. They don't need any sleep. We live in a physical body. We need sleep. Jesus slept. Okay? So we all need sleep. And, and, and that's, it's, it's, again, it's just balance. Um, work. I mean, it was the first thing God gave Adam. So it was a good thing. So work is a blessing. But you have to have balance in it. I've seen people where they just work, 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 and never spend any time with their family. Work, 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 work. Never spent any time with their wife. But you know what? Because it was that greed for money. Or else they just were lived under, like stress junkies. Do you, know what? Do you know what caused me to be sick years ago? Really bad. Because I didn't rest enough. And it done a lot of damage to me in my body. And some of it I've still had to deal with today. I keep believing God. But you know what? I'm still dealing with things just physically. Because of not using wisdom. So work is a blessing. Do you know when Jesus sent the disciples out in Mark 6. When Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. Do you know to do work? Do you know whenever they came back? Do you know the first thing that Jesus said to them? He says come and take time aside and rest for a while. Because it says they didn't even have enough. You know like basically leisure to even eat. You know, and, and see whenever you're at a place where you don't even have time to eat. I, I see, I used to do things like that. I wouldn't take time to eat, I'd eat on the go. I, I'd, I'd be working on, on a sandwich in my mouth. You know what I mean? It, it just wasn't using wisdom because I was trying to do too many things or too many balls in the air. I was trying to do ministry, trying to work, trying to do a bunch of different things. I was driving at night, coming home in the early hours of the morning, up first thing in the morning, away to a building site. You can't live like that. Yet, I was spiritual. Yeah, but I was living in a physical body, and my body crushed. And only by the grace of God, I'm still here today, because uh, naturally I should be in a hole. But thank God for His grace. That he's kept me alive. Um, but you know, again, we're not machines. And he says here, it is good to take a break. Some people are so spiritual they won't take a break. It's good to take a break. I've had to, I've had to train myself over the years to, to sit down and, and I still find it hard. I'll be honest with you. I still find it hard. I still have to fight off many times guilt and condemnation for just sitting down. Because of so many things I want to study. And Don will tell you that. But I've had to try and do everything in God to, to get free from that. Um, a holiday is a good thing. I know a, good, uh, a pastor um, friend that, that I know of. And he, he, any time that he's went somewhere, it's the first thing he said, I need to make sure I get a holiday. Because you know why? Everybody needs a break. Because we're not machines. Amen. Clothes is another one. Many know clothes are good. Thank God everybody's wearing them tonight. But clothes are balance. The Bible says do it in moderation. Do you know what moderation means? Not to extremes. And again, I don't preach on all of those things. Uh, as far as like, the, you know, some people have what they think is extreme. Okay. Um, but extreme just means where it's a way out there. Okay. And so there's a balance like for a woman, there's a place where you don't look like you're on a street corner. You know what I mean? There's a balance. But then all people would say, oh, then we're not. You're a, you're a hussy or something like that. You know what I mean? But there's just a balance. And that's why it takes a Holy Ghost. Look, I tell you, God cares about every area of our life. 
Amen. I'll say this here as well. As I know just by being, a, by being about long enough as a believer, I have seen um, Christians many times that look like they're in a cult. They all wear the same thing. You know, as you go and they all come out in a certain color, it's like, what is going on here? You know, you're told what they were, or everybody's wearing white. And it's like, what? Am I in a cult? And then I've seen other people, Christians, and talk about, you see, moderation doesn't mean that you don't have fashion. Moderation just means it's, it's modest. I've seen other people in Christian circles trying to watch what I say. But you know what? I've seen other people, because I don't want to, I could say something, I don't want to. But you know what? They look like a little house on the prairie. I understand that was okay back in that day, but not in this day. I've seen young girls doing sports, dressed from here to here, doing sports, religion, bondage, bond, pure bondage. But we're Christians, and they're being modest. No, they're in bondage. And I'll tell you, you know what happens? Usually in circles like that, when they're putting a pressure cooker, 18 years of age, they'll be wearing everything they were told not to. Drinking everything that we're told not to. Watching everything that we're told not to. Inside a month. Yeah. Hobbies and sports are good. Again, it's balance. Amen? It's all balance. Music. That's a can of worms. But you know what? Sometimes people say, oh, you can't listen to this, you can't listen to that. The best thing to do is listen to the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen? Listen to the Holy Ghost. Some people say all you can listen to is praise and worship. Music, music's good. Music's a blessing. Praise and worship for me is my music. It's what feeds me. It's what I enjoy more than anything. But it doesn't mean to say I can't listen to the Christmas songs that are on. And, you know, coming home for Christmas. You know what, all of those kind of songs. doesn't mean to say that you can't enjoy. Like, like imagine going to a wedding. What do you play? What do you play at the end of the night? Hell songs? There's a time and a place for everything. Yet I was to the extreme where I would have condemned you if you told me you'd even listen to secular music. That's where I was at one time. Thank God for grace. You see, not all music's bad, but there is bad music. You know, there's bad lyrics, I should say. Not all music's bad, but there's bad lyrics. And then there's a place where, you know what, you can listen to stuff and you know if you listen to the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost and say to you, what are you listening to that for? There's things I've put on and listened to over the years and I'll go, you know what, I didn't even realise that song was as bad as, no way I'm singing that because I'm not letting that come out of my mouth and I'll turn it off. But again, that's not bondage, it's being led by the Holy Ghost. Because there's some songs that are just good, there's, there's good love songs or whatever, you know what I mean, I'm just... I'm just throwing that out there. Music has been about for thousands of years and the same musical instruments that were used for praise and worship were also used for idol worship. Music is not the problem, it's what you do with it. Amen. So praise the Lord and TVs as well. Many know TV is not a curse. It's not the one-eyed devil in the corner and all of those kind of things. Yet I tell you, there's a lot of stuff on it that is of the devil. And it's getting harder to watch stuff. Okay. But sometimes people will tell you, you can't have a TV and just because they don't want a TV, they condemn everybody else who does have one. Look, I have a TV. I have iPads. I have all of those kind of things. But on every TV, it has an on and an off button. You can have different channels. Now, you know, you can flick and you don't like something, you can go to the next thing. Amen. But again, what is it? It's balance. Some people, Playstations are wrong. Xboxes are wrong. iPads are wrong. Well, do you know what? After a while, a child nothing they can do nothing. You can't if you have kids, they can't do anything. No, you teach them. No matter what it is, you teach them in the games they play. You teach them in everything. You just teach them. Amen. But again, what is it? It's balance, and the Holy Ghost will bring balance to our lives. Amen.